on today's episode that arsenal united game the goals the drama the var shouts football is back man city win with a questionable var shout football is rubbish all this and much more in the toki taka podcast listeners welcome to the latest edition of the toki taka podcast as i said last week i will not praise a certain team because inevitably when you praise a certain team they lose so i won't be talking about chelsea this week to do that instead i have ab on the panel today hey ab how are you how has been your experience of following chelsea in the last week or so and uh, another loss you know we predicted it not i mean disappointed yes but uh, but i think uh, overall i'm liking what i'm seeing so hence i'm on the pod if i was truly disappointed i would have probably skipped this week's episode <laughs> rk how are you and uh, what's your talkie point still not got over uh, the sunday result swag it's like you know every time i think about it it's uh, like the ending of the game it, it, it's a really bitter end to the game so my talking moment of the week is that ending one of the you know things which started off the beginning of the end for united that was the garnacho goal which wasn't a goal it was a it, it came at a time when a lot of united fans were really hoping that you know this game has turned around it's it's a much more even contest after you know hoylun came on and you know we were just looking for those uh, you know few half chances which ones that we could put away and uh, like this one Uh, it, it was a brilliantly constructed transition where you know Hoylun had a uh, you know great back heel. Casemiro plays it into Garnacho, runs through on goal. Uh, we knew that there is a chance of it being offside, so no one really got too excited. But uh, ultimately, how narrow that offside was, matter of millimeters. You know, if if we, if that goal had gone in, it would have been a really good victory for us. And then it went the other way. So yeah, it'll take some time to get over. Radha ji, I think when you heard about this offside, you started celebrating. Uh, what was your talkie point? So, boss lad, that was my talkie point. I mean, I've been gushing about him for the last few weeks, and uh, uh, the only thing that was missing, perhaps, was the goal. Um, he's looked incredible. His effort is immense. It continued to be this week, but that that strike. Now, that was the. one kind of highlight that i had seen in the best of compilation videos welcome to liverpool compilation videos that you see on youtube that's the kind of thing that i expected all the other stuff the hard work the leadership the the um, uh, the stamina all that took me by surprise but it was good to see one of those typical perfect technique strikes and now not seen a ball struck like that in a long long time so yeah so boss lad good day good win um very happy that he's on our team right finally ashwin what's it been for you so it's not easy being a football fan and certainly not easy being a united fan right so oh shut up shut up you have more <laughs> points than us yeah 10 versus 12 is a really healthy battle uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah i would have taken i would have taken a one all uh, at the start of the start of the game i was absolutely like elated when ganacho scored that goal i didn't think that it was offside initially so i was like great we got a 2-1 win at the emirates that of course didn't happen uh, and then and then we ended up losing the way we lost it uh, 
So I'm here to add the doom and gloom that RK has already initiated. And for me, it's more about the off-field uh, news that's coming coming in, uh, the stuff uh, that transpired between Jaden Sancho and Eric Ten Hag. You don't want, you don't like to see that as a fan, especially after a loss. Uh, I, I I don't I don't think Ten Hag. Uh, handle the matter in the right manner. Uh, of course, it's open to debate. Some people think he did, he did, did the right thing. I don't agree with that. Uh, but also, the only thing that was probably something that was positive coming out was that the club might be sold. And it seems like it's not going to be sold. So, um, so there are a lot of rumors flying in that, you know, uh, the Glazers have taken the club off the market. And that means that, means that uh, the share price has actually taken a tumble and is down by 20% uh, in a single day, uh, which I really don't care about at this point. But yeah, roller coaster of emotions, I would say, over the past uh, three, four days. For for me, I, I don't have any talky points related to Chelsea, of course, but I really found it uh, funny and slightly heartwarming that Luton had their first game at home this weekend. West Ham visited and ended up winning. That's a different story. And the West Ham fans had their chants about, uh, we can see you in the bath. We can see you in the bath. Yeah, you bottom of the table, we can see you in the bath. So, so that, that, that was really funny. But I think despite the fact that they're losing and everything, uh, it's it's still a heartwarming story for me because they've come up from non-league. And, and when you struggle and then you reach something, that's when you become an inspiration for other clubs. So, so that's something that Luton have shown a pathway to for uh, other clubs. But anyway, there is only one place we can begin. It's the Emirates and a crazy, crazy five minutes at the end of the game. I'm going to give it to the United boys. Uh, elation turned to heartbreak in a matter of minutes. And in, I think even in the first half, elation and then within a minute... The game was level again. Andre Onana goes from punching the, the air to going, Kama, Kama. What's happening? Too much Bollywood-style fun. Yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, before that, really, really frantic. And, uh, you know, it was it was very calculated, uh, I think, match for a large part of it. First half, we could see, you know, Arsenal's complete pressing shape. I, I think, uh, you know, better teams or better... Teams with a better evolution uh, than United might have still uh, managed to play through the lines a few times, like let's say Brighton or Liverpool, etc. But uh, I think it was still a very good pressing shape, uh, you know, from Arsenal, where you know it it uh, like Arsenal were not just about you know running and you know man marking and then you know uh, like pressing very high. They were very conscious not to you know press Onana and then open up uh, you know the rest of the field. So they were. Uh, like they were letting Onana go, and uh, as soon as he passed to the defenders, then they were starting their press. And uh, you know, even their channel, uh, like what I found most impressive was how they were kind of you know covering the shadows, so to say, where they were uh, you know preventing the pass in behind. So that was their major focus. They were not really pressing high, but what that uh, you know what that did to United was with Onana and Lisandro and all, we were able to pass let's say, till kind of the end of the first phase. But after that, we could never, you know, get through the lines for, I think, maybe the first half an hour. After that, started getting better for United. We started playing through a bit more, created one or two chances. This was all, of course, after the one goal had been cancelled out by the other. So, 
that 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 was more like a footnote like how quickly that happened and it's very reminiscent of you know what's what happened in jan as well where rash you know put united ahead and then within 7 8 minutes arsenal had equalized so first half still would be happy going in at half time the major worry was how would we come after the break i think even though arsenal had much more possession after the break united were much more stable off the ball gave them very very few chances other than the saka one which should have been a goal and then of course i i i thought that hoylon uh, you know introduction changed the game uh, we were talking on whatsapp about you know dsk i think trying to defend martial and saying that he had a decent game and the rest of us were like you know that's that's not a decent game and then i think hoylon came on and showed exactly what a striker can offer and then of course yeah we, we already know how it all ended up with that can i talk about the ending and i can and i can see rather smacking his lips there because the Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire partnership is what he he really wanted to see, and unfortunately, our worst fears were there before us. Uh, I think yes. Listen, dreams do come true. Dreams do come true. Love it when the plans come together. Huh? Uh, I think I oh god, like those last ten fifteen minutes, like it was just like as a neutral, I can imagine that would have been a really fun thing to watch but like as 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 a united fan going from that moment where ganacho scored and we all thought that you know we would be leading emirates with three points even if arsenal probably deserved it more the other var decision which was the penalty that was overturned i think that was the talking point for me um, never in a million years would i have imagined um, these stupid amazing refs and there were colleagues uh, actually turning over a decision where there is an excuse of some make believe contact in the video um, so i i was i was absolutely shocked that they sent him back to review that um little bit annoyed that they don't do that more often and they've not done that in so many other occasions in this season but at least that was a good start where somebody is given the decision you can very clearly make an ill Uh, ill ill th- ill thought of excuse that yes there's some contact there because um i think it was Ma- um was it martinelli i think martinelli kicks out at the at the other player and manufactures some contact so so yeah i, I that was a good one um uh, it was it was interesting to see that havertz sorry so yeah i was happy happy about the um, um, officiating from that aspect although i'm still not sold on the standard of refereeing this season and talking about arsenal uh, i think declan rice uh, was very very impressive no, uh, in in the things that we expected him to do so we expected him to be you know really good uh, in the high press and in winning back balls as a number 6 he did that a lot in the game uh, he was kind of also able to shadow bruno uh, around the pitch as well restricted his influence in the game to a large extent and then you know on the ball Uh, he was conservative, not not uh, you know breaking the lines every time. But uh, uh, but one major thing about him was as he went up the pitch, you know, if, with respect to his ball carrying as well as the progressiveness of his passing improved as he went up the pitch. So in the second half especially, he was pretty influential, uh, you know, for Arsenal in position as well. So Declan Rice definitely, uh, you know, for me, he's uh, kind of justifying the price tag. Havertz, you know, first half I think uh, there were a few highlight reels which can be. you know converted into memes for havertz where he kicked the ball out of play once he he uh, like gave away the ball cheaply to eriksen you know for the first goal uh, for the first united goal and of course that 
you know he accidentally gets the ball in a very good position inside the box when you know dallo's header uh, bounces off marshall and then havertz just needs to kind of almost tap it in but he can't do that so it was kind of like a horror first half very kind of you know all the fears about him came uh, you know kind of came true but i thought he was much better in the second although still not really at a great level how was the experience at the end of the game in the rk household at at the final whistle yeah so when the garnacho goal went in i still had a bit of you know doubt that it was offside uh, the first replay came and they didn't put the lines with at that point it seemed that you know he looks he looked just about onside but then and then garnacho he, he wasn't sure himself at the start he started celebrating and then i thought okay maybe there's a signal on the ground that it's a goal and then suddenly the lines start coming you know so so for me i wasn't really celebrating at that point but i could see arun you know he 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 had a big you know kind of relief on his face his celebrations had also not started then because probably he like i felt that he was really on like you know running scared basically okay that you know hasna going to lose a home match but then of course like uh, that corner uh, you know when that goal went in you know you could see rice standing alone for maybe one two seconds and i feared the worst i and afterwards i realized that okay he's he's been alone on many corners in the game so i i, I don't know what united's game plan was with respect to that when the second goal went in uh, you know arun was i think he was still not uh, you know really really happy at that point uh, because knowing him you know he he was always like three minutes are left go back go back all those kind of things he started shouting and you know then suddenly the third goal goes in and that is probably the most unhinged i have ever seen my brother <laughs> the, the, you know the lesser i speak about it the better i i guess yeah i have uh, listeners so we all watch the game together so rk um ab me and rk dsk and rk's twin brother arun it was a jinx fest everybody trying to one up the other and in the middle of all of this ab kept sliding in some havertz comments to arun saying arun you know whatever optimism that you want to have about uh, havertz take it from me nothing is going to happen he's utterly useless so yeah ab ab kept driving that point home but yeah it was pretty epic just coming to arsenal quickly uh, you already talked about rice i think this was his coming of age moment for arsenal uh, it's one of those hero moments that he's had uh, early on his in his arsenal career and i think any big money signing needs that um, the other guy um, who you you need to talk about i think um uh, gabriel jesus he was a big miss for them last season i think he came back and uh, in a very short span of time he absolutely showed everybody the difference in quality between a gabriel jesus and an eddie nketiah nketiah was i thought much better than he he was last season he was holding up the play doing well uh, but there was a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens with inketria that doesn't really make you scared that you're about to concede a goal uh, jesus had that skill I, th- i think i read a stat that that one turn converted a 0.2 xg shot into a 0.75 xg shot that's the kind of quality that he had just sending um i think it was dallo uh, running but before that yes my man my man johnny evans with some epic hands up defending like hey it's it's yours it's yours that was that was really nice to watch thoroughly you, you know when you define jesus performance that you know that's the disclaimer you need to put poor nikitia was you know defending against far better players jesus comes on and you know sorry evans comes on and jesus is just like all over him 
and and watching that contest i thought you know i i really thought i have a really decent chance against uh, you know evans myself uh, there was a comment on um, that i saw on twitter or x um uh, around united finishing with evans and maguire which was united are closing out the games closing out a actual premier league game with uh, evans and maguire what is this west morgan's testimonial <laughs> right uh, yeah Yeah. Yeah, I mean you guys have discussed the game enough but um uh I it was I mean it was um just those last 10 minutes were just so thrilling one way or the other especially to watch as a neutral United going in front and then that getting ruled out and uh, and then Arsenal winning it. Um man I there is a genuine scariness about Arsenal that they have not had for 10 years or the last 15 years maybe uh in that you know teams are genuinely happy to walk away from emirates with a point um uh, there was a time where a united or a chelsea or a uh, even maybe a spurs can hope to get more uh from a trip to emirates but i think arsenal now are such clear second place favorites um and it's a genuinely scary team you know guy have it aside um i had to get in one day gun have it but what what i'm going to need more than two cents on is uh chelsea's performance against uh, nottingham forest uh, we we didn't get the win you said that the performance seems okay we are still creating chances uh but how do you see this playing out in terms of all this debate about positions are we playing a back four are we playing a back five what is chilwell's position um and kunku's absence hitting us badly uh, how do you see this evolving in the next few games after the international break yeah so i was reading a stat just a few minutes ago that i think we are one of the top 3 or 4 teams in chance creation right now on the first few games one of the top 3 or 4 teams in terms of passes in the opponents or touches in the opponents box but we are 11th in terms of converting this one which is exactly i think where we are in the table right now 11th or 12th right so uh that all of when i when you look at these stats together it reeks of inexperience and um i think nothing there's no bigger example than uh nicolas jackson missing from one yard out right so um so that's these are the kind of things that makes me believe that we will catch up to that xg uh, eventually over a longer run um uh, which is why goes back to my point of me being not too worried about it um now that said um i think there's a couple of things that do need correction and i was looking at some fan interviews after the game and one person made a uh, point which kind of resonated with me which was you're playing nottingham forest at home why are the only two attacking players on the pitch sterling and jackson right so this would this is a game where you should be doing a 433 which is what you know poch likes so so i think that's there is a tweak required there um i think we need to uh, see at the end of the day i think if you want to go through a season and be reasonably successful you're going to have more you're going to need more than one formation that works for you uh, a plan a plan b sort of thing and i think this would have been a good game to 
bring in an extra attacking player um i do not understand how and as good as chilwell is in going forward bombing forward crossing and even scoring uh i think um, uh probably missing a trick uh not playing a left back at a left back position and playing an actual winger there and playing three center back so i think it's um, we need to uh, you know we need to get a, have a formation in which we have one more attacking player on the pitch just to increase the finishing quotient uh, over there i i i know pochettino is reacting to the cards he's dealt so there's no nkunku arguably the best striker or arguably the best finisher in the squad is a is an nkunku we have not even seen him play in a blue shirt yet but uh, uh, just from a pure experience standpoint uh he and when he's out pochettino is kind of reacting to that but i think uh, we need to be a little braver in home games not necessarily play you know three center backs and two wing backs but go for a a more for traditional 4-4-3 kind of thing uh i think that's the only area where i would say we missed a trick tactically but um, but and and i think the rest of the aspects of the performance in terms of finishing will get better right so I, that just just my thoughts on this particular game yeah so ab you mentioned in kunku is he is he the answer then because uh from the outside looking in it looks like there's a huge hole when it comes to recruitment uh at chelsea in that number 9 position and that's a bit weird considering the number of players also that have come in over the last couple of years is nkunku that guy who's going to turn this xg story around or is there still a gap in the squad for that number 9 so uh i think depending on in Kunku to come back sometime in January after a longer term injury, and then hoping that he will get us the goals we need in the last three four months of the season. I think is being wishful. Um, uh, he will take time to get match fit, so it's going to be a journey, uh, and it's possible that we may have to, in all seriousness, look at him more seriously next year. Uh, but that said, coming to whether there is a gap in the number nine position. Yes, we are kind of hoping Jackson help fills that gap. Uh, that gap will reduce or won't seem as big if Jackson starts knocking more in, and he's having chances, right? He's there's a lot of things about his play that is that is impressive. I think if he starts scoring a little bit more, that gap will reduce. I don't see a reason to go out and buy someone to try and fulfill that right now. Uh, you talked have... of it, it, it looking very wishful, you know, that Enkunku uh, would start scoring in Feb. Is it too wishful to imagine someone coming back from a betting uh, layoff and then getting signed by Chelsea and start to knock in the goals? And yeah. Referring to even Tony, of course. Yeah, yeah, and I know when we met over the weekend, I made a bold prediction uh, around Chelsea going out and signing Tony. Uh, so this me putting on my sane hat i will say what i was saying a couple of minutes ago which is that i don't think we should go out and sign someone in uh january just to fulfill that quote and quote number 9 hole i think uh, but that said i don't think uh, uh anyone can predict the ways of mr bowley 
So if he feels that uh, he can go out and get a Tony for 50, 60, whatever million, he will. But uh, keep in mind that it will be yet another guy who has not played a match in nine months. So uh, expecting him to score might also be uh, a lot. Expecting him to score a lot might also be wishful, sir. I'm pretty shocked that Ab remembers anything from from that night uh, or on the on the weekend. Uh, but Swag, coming to you quickly, um, uh, Gallagher playing the way that he's playing right now. Ab talked about not having enough attackers on the pitch. They played Caicedo and they played Gallagher almost in like a double six um, kind of formation. Is that the way forward, or are they trying to play that way because they've signed Lavia as well? Uh, what's happening on that uh, position? Is that something that they need? Do, do they need a double six because of the way Chilwell is playing? What's going on there? It's a, it's a mixture of the two because Lavia, when he came in, as I think we discussed a couple of episodes ago, was that he's, again, also not match fit. Gallagher was on his way out as a as an academy player. He was going to get us the FFP money and uh, West Ham were in talks and it was whether it's going to be 40 or 45 and then that deal would have happened. Gallagher seems to have gotten that bit of pump under him because of that and he's like, I'm not going to be forced out and I will just put in as much effort as I can. He knows that he is probably not as gifted as some of the other players in the in the midfield or even in the squad so he's willing to give his all whether it's an 8 whether it's a 6 you you tell him whatever you want him to do he he will put in his effort i would argue and ab you can um, correct me if you feel otherwise i would say this is probably one of the best i have seen gallagher play in a chelsea shirt uh, throughout his career i think that little bit of pump has has lifted him up a level whether it's going to be a double six going forward i think would depend quite heavily on what state lavia comes back in of uh, from what i hear he is in the final stages of his rehab so it should be interesting to see how it turns out but yeah yeah just a quick thing on gallagher i think what we're seeing from gallagher right now is what we will see or what we can expect uh, when one of Lavia or Caicedo is unavailable. Uh, in other words, when Lavia is fit, I expect him to walk straight in for Gallagher and Gallagher then becomes a backup for any one of those three midfield players. Uh, uh, obviously, like you said, he's not as gifted, but... Um, but I think he's showing that he can do a job. And um, six months ago, I was ready to sell him. Uh, now I'm not. Right. So uh, I think what we're seeing there is is good. On the question on the double pivot, I think we will always see a double pivot. It's I don't think it's so much necessarily tied to the bombing wing backs. Um, I think even if you were playing a four four three or uh, sorry a four three three, you would still see. Both uh, Lavia and uh, uh, and uh, Kaiseido play together, so I think I think that's a sort of given right now. Um, at least that's the way I see it unfolding. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I think Gallagher is now showing his worth in a position that we didn't think he was capable of playing. So. Yeah, up, up there, um, having signed so many players, wants to play 4-4-3 suddenly. Uh, interesting. Um, but coming quickly on to uh, some talky, taka 
FPL tips. How how has your week been on FPL, Ashwin? Uh, what was your what was your team doing this week? I thought I had a reasonably a reasonably good week, uh, but it seems that every motherfucker out there has captain Haaland, right? So <laughs> that's the cheat code that that you play FPL with, and uh, that basically means that I'm like uh, bang average in the in the like in terms of in terms of my rank and in terms of the points I scored as well. Uh, I was happy with the fact that I I like most people ended up captaining Haaland. Uh, don't have much to show. I got rid of the United assets, and I know Rashford scored this week. Uh, it's just it's just Murphy's law with me and FPL at the moment. Yeah, I had a pretty good week. I think um, uh, only a couple of people um, scored more points than I did, and one of them had triple captained Haaland. So um, somebody on our league got a hundred points, and uh, still they're in. Pure mid-table, I think. Gangsters, Allardyce uh, got 100 points this week but is in 12th position. Ashwin, today I feel FFP is at 10th position in an 18-man league. Um, yeah, I'm still like, I'm still there. Like, there like, votes, like, uh, the like the team I'm supporting in real life, rather. <laughs> so, I've, I'm there or thereabouts, number 3, and um, around 6 points off the top of the table. Clocktastic and Uday Telkar are currently leading our league. Um, but yeah, a couple of our other tips from last week. I think Udogi um, did well. He got a, he got an assist, even though as DSK predicted, Tottenham will continue to concede goals. But they still the fullbacks are involved in a lot of the attacking that they do. Um, so that that is one to watch out for. Madison is quickly seeming like a guy who can come in for the likes of Rashford and and Luis Diaz and um, dare I say even Saka, considering the form that he's in. Um, but yeah, um, I've been thinking, I've been mulling over the uh, the chance. Should I be taking Chilwell? It's not like he's going to score too many clean sheet points, but he's literally playing like a striker at Chelsea. Um, some of the runs and some of the positions that he's finding himself in are like a proper number nine. So you never know what kind of returns you'll get on an investment like that. He is expensive though. So I haven't done it yet. And I kept faith with Trent and he had a good, good week. Nine points for him. Absolute captain's. Uh, performance for Liverpool as well. So on that note, we'll move to the Liverpool game. Swag has just ducked out because, like we saw last week, he's had some uh, some a few, a few visitors come in and join our podcast uh, unannounced. Um, but yeah, coming to the Liverpool game, I think three nil at Anfield against Villa. I was really, really hoping for a strong, dominant performance from Liverpool, and that's exactly what I got. I uh, a couple of things are pretty clear that that trends that we are going to see this season. Uh, one is we are going to be extremely exciting on from an attacking point of view. That continues. I think a lot of commitment towards our attack. The pressing was outstanding, world class. It's been it's as good as it's been probably in the last two years. Last year, I don't think we had a game as good as this when it comes to pressing. So Bozlai was great as as I already mentioned. Uh, McAllister played the six. That's an interesting one because a lot of us were dreaming about Havenberg coming in and becoming a pseudo uh, six or something, training into that position. But McAllister played that position and Curtis Jones was on the left, uh, left side of an eight. So maybe Gravenberg is going to be uh, that position rather than the number six. 
McAllister, though I really was excited by the way he was playing um, in a more advanced role in preseason, I think he's the one who's going to have to bite that bullet and play number six. And he was great at it. Um, tackled at the right time, um, pressed at the right time, was very solid. A uh, lot of our players that people had doubts about, like Matip and Gomez, also had very strong games. Trent for me was man of the match. I think it's been a while. Um, uh, it's been a while coming. Some of the balls that he plays uh, is just. I think I remember saying on this pod last year that um, the highlight reels that we see of Gerard Alonso's goals, the kinds of balls that they play um, in over a career, Trent does four or five of those a game. I remember this particular three-minute period where he played the same ball to Luis Diaz um, uh, twice in three minutes and it was just undefendable, the kind of pace that he hits it with. Um, we look great. Um, uh, Darwin was... Very sharp, though he didn't score. It was the back to the old Darwin hitting the post two times and not scoring. But he still looked like a real danger. And Salah seems to love playing for him. Salah, hopefully, is going to be a player for Liverpool for this entire season. But he loves playing with Darwin by the looks of it. And Darwin keeps making those interesting runs. I'm very excited about um, how Liverpool look from an attacking sense. And it does look like we're going to have a lot of 4-2s, 4-3s, 3-1s. Because we do not look like a team that can keep a clean sheet. Um, I'm sure Alisson will do his best, but um, we look like we're going to concede for sure. Are you saying that you're going to uh, reject the 200 million odd from the Saudis? There's still one more day to go for the transfer window. Thursday is the last. Uh, Thursday is the deadline day for Saudi Arabia. The real deadline day that counts uh, for us now. Uh, pretty, um, pretty sure we're going to reject that bid, even though it's. Uh, it's a 200 offer, which is going to be a world record transfer. I don't see us letting Mo Salah go when the window is closed, no matter what the fee is. Um, I say, hold on. They'll come back. I don't think Saudi is going to complete their project anytime soon. So the premier Arab superstar in the world is with Liverpool. So we have an asset that we know they want desperately. So I'm sure, I'm kind of confident that they'll come back. We just need to make sure that we've got all our replacement signings um, lined up and then we can sell him. I don't want to sell him when we can't get a replacement like right now. And I also don't want to sell him in advance where everybody who we negotiate with knows that we have 200 million coming in and therefore just jacks up the price by 30, 40 million per player. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to hold on to him for a, for a, uh, for a year and then do some signings in January. So rather uh, coming to Villa now, like, uh, you know, before the season started, everyone was raving about the signings that they have made and, you know, they have looked good in the couple of games which they have won. They have, uh, so, so they have six points, but the, uh, you know, games that they have lost against, uh, the tough games against Newcastle and Liverpool seems like they are trying to play with a, a, a bit of a naive high line uh, and, and uh, like probably some of the personnel that they have don't really suit that style. Uh, as well, so uh, like like in the Liverpool game, I thought that they recovered decently after going two 0 down, and after it became three 0 it was again like it, it was just you know coasting along to the end, and they uh, they completely gave up. So very very few silver linings from a Villa point of view. What did you think? Uh, you know, make of them? Yeah, I don't think they were in the game at all. I think the way that we started the game and we scored early with that Sobosly strike and our pressing was just outstanding. I think. Within 5-10 minutes, they looked like a team, a deer in headlights. They were completely overwhelmed by the the pressing and the energy that Liverpool had. And that's what we used to do to teams 
most of the time under Klopp. We used to overwhelm teams in the first 10-15 minutes until we suddenly became a very slow starting team last season and we lost all the energy in the pressing. So I'm not going to judge Villa on this performance. I think that they just were at the wrong end of a really good performance from Liverpool and Liverpool can do that to teams when they're on it. Um, from a high line point of view, I think they've got the personnel. We're talking about uh, Luca Dean, Matty Cash, centre-back. And I think they would have wanted to have played uh, Mings there. So I think that's a big loss for them. Uh, Carlos is the only guy perhaps who's not the the starter that they would have imagined. Although everybody knows my thoughts on Mings. He is, he is reasonably fast. So I think they just got caught there because of one... Trent was playing balls that I don't think any team will find it easy to defend. And it's hard for them to... I mean, it was just insane the kind of game that Trent played on the ball uh, against Villa. That's like one in a uh, one in a million kind of performances that you need to deal with. So, um, I won't rate, write them off. I do think that they're a very strong team and that they're going to challenge the Brightons and Newcastles of the, of the, of the world. But... Yeah, they also clearly, they've had two thrashings uh, already this season. So that's not a good place to be in. And in the Newcastle game as well, they looked like they couldn't defend to save a life. So that's two games where they've not just lost, but they've actually looked like how Burnley looked, where they just couldn't uh, stop a team's attack from uh, creating chances and scoring goals. So yeah, that is something to worry about. But I don't, I'm not going to write them off after this specific game. Burnley looked... So bad. I have not seen a team, you know, so naive, uh, so so really, really open, so easy to play in behind. As I saw, you know, against against Spurs, I, I, I you know, Spurs had a good game, not taking it away from them, but I, I really felt it was so easy to play those balls in behind. It was, you know, some some of it was like some of these Ole, you know, Gunnar Solskjaer performances that I remember from United time where. You know, they just play the ball in behind against some really nice teams and then, you know, Rash is running behind. I, I, I think Spurs had that kind of a performance where, you know, Madison, he's been a great revelation for them. It's it's almost like it reminds me of, you know, how kind of Bruno started playing for United, you know, from almost from game one. It's almost, uh, it, it's also a very similar style where, you know, uh, like they're constantly looking to play in behind, constantly look, looking to play the forward ball and, you know, and and you also have people like Son Heung-min and Kurusevsky who are going to, you know, stretch the line. So, but Burnley, I, I, I really fear for Burnley after, you know, the kind of performances that they have given in a few of these games. Yeah, I'm, uh, Madison is on fire, man. Uh, he's looking like one of the signings of the season so far across. I mean, signings of the season, four weeks in is not really a big thing. But um, he's looking absolutely superb. Uh, everything about him is looking great. He's pressing amazingly. His passing and passing rhythm is looking great. Uh, he's a constant goal threat. When he gets the ball, you always think that something's going to happen. Spurs are also playing in a really exciting way, which is bringing out the best in him and I think the people around him. Um, Son had just one of those days. Um, I think from a... Um, uh, XG point of view, they ended up scoring five goals of 2.5 XG. So it was one of those outlier kind of games where uh, everything that they hit was the, going in. Uh, Madison scored off a low XG chance. Some of Son's finishes were also great. Um, the chip goal was one of my favorites. It's, gr it's great to see him score a goal like that because that shows that he's really feeling it and he's in touch. 
he had a bad year last year uh, by his standards so uh, if son starts coming back to form maybe they can because to be honest i don't think anybody on this group thinks that richarlison is capable of holding the weight that they need once somebody like kane leaves they definitely needed son to step up so um, if he keeps this going i think spurs are only going to get better and their wing backs you you guys know that i'm a big fan so um, um i think that spurs are looking good i do agree with dsk a few weeks ago when he said that spurs are going to concede they they like liverpool i think have accepted the fact that they're not going to be the most structurally sound and safe teams but they're indexing very heavily on their attack and perhaps more 5-2s and 4-2s are the way to go for them who needs defenders if you're defenders cuz score like bazookas like that quick shout out to the christian romero goal it's one of the goals of the season and i know i've spoken about goals of the season already um i think in general uh, spurs are playing like a team who are not under any kind of pressure because their talisman their best player has left for pastures new uh, and with kane they are expected to win a trophy right uh but now there is now that kane isn't there um, it's almost like the pressure has been lifted off them and they are playing like a team like that uh i i i certainly feel that they can take one of the spots one of the champions league spots as well if they keep playing like this um maybe newcastle newcastle finished third maybe they won't finish third but they can certainly finish fifth i i don't know if you guys caught uh, match of the day but ian wright had this amazing <laughs> uh, section where he just summarized the game and ended up saying that spurs are looking so good and that everything about them is looking positive and long may it continue and then he looked so depressed on camera after finishing saying that it is quite funny <laughs> look i i uh, i know that spurs have exhibited some good things repeatable things you know like the midfield control and some of the patterns that they are showing in attack or the chemistry between the attackers uh, so so these are all the good things but somehow for me it still feels as if you know they they are kind of in a honeymoon period uh, just bending in under the new manager you know uh, like so relieved that the last year which was so horrible for them has come to an end and they are able to uh, you know have a good uh, you know rapo going forward without kane so i i think it's a lot of coming together in terms of mentality for them right now which is ultimately going to wear away i i think the you know weak defense that they have and some of the other underlying vulnerability i still feel that you know once all the uh, you know honeymoon kind of wears away spurs will start looking more ordinary a run of one or two bad results you know and and they will lose some momentum we have to remember that they have played brentford burnley burnmouth so and of course united which i to be very honest didn't think that uh, you know they played well at all in that first half so i am still waiting for them to slip up and then see how they react to that yeah i don't think anybody is going to jump out and say that spurs are going to finish in the top 4 or anything of that sort but i do think that they're playing well and are going to be an entertaining team to watch and rk channeling his inner up there by saying that spurs have absolutely no chance to do anything positive in life um uh, another team that's been exciting but also had one hiccup uh, last week brighton uh, that did you guys see that coming brighton absolutely dominating newcastle and um, and the third hattrick of the of the of the premier league week uh, evan ferguson scores a hattrick becoming only the i think the fourth or fifth player to score a hattrick under the age of um, 19 so an 18 year old scoring a hattrick 
what did you guys think of that game uh well to start off with i'm glad i have uh, evan ferguson in my team in my draft team he helped me get over the line even though matty cash gave me an own goal but uh, coming to the game itself um i did not uh, i know newcastle have been struggling a little bit in the opening games of this season but i did not expect brighton to win this game this comfortably especially given that they got beaten quite comprehensively last week um that said i think i think we were watching the game together uh it was utter and complete domination from brighton for most part i felt um uh i think i know there's a lot more to be said on newcastle but before we go there i think uh, you keep taking the best parts of brighton away they seem to be getting better and better so i don't know i don't exactly understand how a team works that way but uh, chances are that if you uh, if chelsea or someone comes and signs up an evan ferguson for another 150 million they'll probably find someone even better so um yeah that's you know it's it's a proper well settled team very well established patterns of play no matter who you put in there they seem to be doing a job there was a time in which when they came to the premier league pascal gross was their best player um um and you know when other better players started developing around him he seemed to kind of go to the back foot uh, a similar kind of scenario with sali march but now when those supposedly better players have left it's these kind of guys who are again stepping up so um you know we we rave a lot on deserby and i think he deserves it but um 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 uh, you know i you know we can talk a little bit about newcastle but um, brighton are absolutely fantastic right uh, a nightmare to deal with uh, in the negotiation room but they are a fantastically uh, well run club and a well run football team you know it's 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 sensational how a manager can just come in and establish his pattern style of play so quickly uh, deserby is uh, you have to give credit to potter you know some credit to potter as well for sure but deserby style is uh, you know so much different to potter you can easily see you know what he has brought into the team we see managers like you know arteta go two two and a half years Uh, kind of rearing up an ugly duckling into a swan, and 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 you see Ten Hag also make you know slow steps to progress. You can see the progress happening, but you know to see something like Deserby uh, come and do it with a team like Brighton, with you know so much less investment on the other way, on the other way around, they keep losing the best players, and for them to still be able to produce this uh, and having such an established style of play, which is so consistent, is, is really remarkable. so i think uh, you know when we were watching the game on saturday we were also talking about you know against attacking teams like newcastle how they so successfully bait the press it's so risky but you don't see it fail often at all it it's very few times that you see teams actually nick the ball of them when you know it it can almost seem as if brighton are trying their best to you know make it as risky as possible and you know once they get through that press it it becomes so easy for them with all the players that they have got like bitoma of course evan ferguson is as sensational for me as deserby at 18 to be able to produce what he has done last season and what he's doing what he did this game this was kind of like a really st- real statement performance from him getting a hat trick against newcastle and and he really does remind me of a harry kane in the sense how he is able to link up play how he drops a bit deep he's not a very traditional you know 
goal poaching kind of a number 9 but he's able to do that part of it too so i think he's a real sensation and you know when we talk of brighton sensations obviously it's going to be chelsea who buy him a uh, 100 million signing to chelsea incoming in that case we talked about how a number 9 could be a, could be a position that they need some help with so yeah 100 million ferguson to chelsea here we go um just not before uh, not before liverpool try with 100 million first don't forget that part yeah he's, he's a childhood rugby united fan so hopefully not liverpool next but, but if he's a childhood united fan there's a good chance he'll go to city today there was a report around city monitoring him despite the fact that they are of course going to extend halen's contract uh, yeah i i mean uh, it was interesting how arcade didn't even bother to say he might sign for united he said that he, when he said that they, he was a united fan i thought that was coming but he didn't even bother going there um, so yeah liverpool to fail and up and up and chelsea to get over the line i do like the deserving pun from up that's a good one um, uh, coming to a few uh, other teams uh, uh, not not while the glazers are there I, i i don't believe we will make any kind of a 100 120 million signing while the glazers are here. they've been making some 80 million signings stop whining now but but 10 billion rk i'm sure somebody will cough up 10 billion and and buy the club soon that's what they're looking for i'm sure it's going to happen anytime uh, anytime soon uh, but coming to a few other games this week uh, we saw city haland finally like we touched upon when we were talking about the fpl haland with a hat trick uh, look like his old self just a quick clarification evan ferguson became the fourth player to score a hat trick under the age of 19 Uh, but there were six times it's happened michael owen did it thrice before he turned 19 uh, but another person who got a hat trick was haland um, exactly the kind of hat trick that we gotten used to seeing uh, from him uh, last season he also had a i'm going to say a shot that went awry and alvarez finished so an assist to boot as well a pretty huge game from haland after not looking great in the first couple of games uh, they conceded a lot of chances to fulham but for me the talking point was the var decision or when the game was 1-1 did you guys see that um, akanji was clearly standing in front of the goalkeeper uh, for some reason var has decided that he's not interfering with play and a goal was given and then they went on to win the game 4-1 um, it was a very close score line at least at that point of time what did you guys think of that absolutely mind blowingly ridiculous a decision i i don't know how he makes the decision in the first place and then how var cannot cancel it it's it's just beyond me rather you were speaking earlier in the episode of you know how they were mature enough in the arsenal united game to look at the havertz uh, mistake and then rectify it i i don't see how the var cannot even understand that you know or cannot admit that there was a big big mistake there yeah i think i think uh yeah we spoke about the war decisions that were uh, uh, rightly adjudicated in the arsenal united game and like this this just adds that blot into this whole conundrum that war is uh, i think one good thing that came out of it was everyone thought that this was the wrong decision uh, haland i think came out after the game uh, and said that you know he would be pissed if that had happened against his team but it's all very easy to say when you know your team has won you've got uh, you've got the match ball to take uh, to take back home uh, i think i think that the decisions are just really inconsistent 
it's it's ultimately the people who are you know um, uh, who are looking at these decisions and like making all the wrong calls uh, the good thing is at least the you know people like damod gallagher did not come out and defend the referees again because it was so blatantly obvious that it was offside uh, that it's it's just it's it's just it's no laughing matter right um i think ultimately like i said there is it did not really matter but it was it came at a really important moment in the game and the ref should be held accountable for it yep i don't think we're get, we're anywhere closer to being satisfied with the level of refereeing this season um another little hat trick stat we talked about the youngest uh, hat trick scorers in the league how about the quickest to reach five hat tricks haland has gotten there in 39 games the next fastest person to get there was rude van nistelrooy with 73 games suarez was next with 86 and shearer who we all think of as one of the greatest scorers of the league took 110 games to get to five hat tricks 39 games that's one season essentially Ireland is lighting it up if he's if he stays in this league i think every record that exists is going to be broken and for the first time this season it's quiz time all right let's do the top scorers of uh, of the alphabet i'm not going to go through every alphabet because that's going to take a while uh, but i'll pick up a few specific ones which i think are interesting um all right okay let's start with the we're talking who's, who's surnames right Yes, we're talking surnames. If the surname starts with the alphabet, who's the top scorer of that alphabet? So let's start with an easy one, guys. Who's why, who's why, A? Why do I feel that I've already knows the answers? Is this rigged? Like all things Chelsea, is this rigged? Are, are these <laughs> Premier League goals? These are Premier League goals only. Uh, top scorers for the Premier League, and we're starting off with a pretty easy one. Who's got A? Amrika. Oh man, RK, that's disappointing. Somebody else. Come on, guys. This is one of the easiest ones. I wasn't even going to ask this one. I just thought let's start off easy. It's always the easy chance of starting. Yeah. He's he's probably in the top five in the league, guys. Come on. Aguero. Aguero. Yeah. Aguero indeed. Aguero indeed. All right, let's go to a now an interesting one. Uh, a throwback from our early noughties, mid noughties. Who's B? Berbatov. Not Berbatov. Somebody who played in the league a lot longer, but not as efficient perhaps as Berbatov. He did play for Spurs though, and he may have overlapped with Berbatov at some stage. No. I'll give you. I'll give you a few of the other strikers. So there was Robbie Keane, there was Berbatov, there was Jermaine Defoe, and Blank. Bent. Bent. Ben. Darren Bent. That's I it. went first. It was Darren Bent. Um, okay, let's go. Let's go. F. Who's F? Fowler. Is Fowler? Um, I'm not even going to ask you. G. I can see. Uh, I can see R K writing four or five letters ahead on his little notepad there. <laughs> yeah. I'm not asking you guys G and H. I think these should be the easiest ones. G and H. So That's I'll move right. on. Well, then I'm going to ask you G because it's definitely not Gascoigne. Think longevity. Gigs. I got. Okay, think a little less longevity. Come on, guys. Somebody who can come close to gigs in longevity but has just scored more goals. Gerard. Gerard. Gerard, indeed. And H is of course Thierry Henry, one of the greatest to ever play. 
All right, J, 69 goals. Or could be 70 goals. I don't know when I checked this quiz. That's a clue. It's not Jackson. It's definitely not Jackson. Um, okay, the clue is that when I checked this, when I made this quiz a couple of weeks back, he was at 69, but now he's, he's at 70. He scored this weekend, guys. Jesus. Gabriel Jesus, indeed. Uh, how about M? Don't tell me Madison. 111 goals, not Madison. Played for two, had two successful stints at Premier League clubs. Just left the league, I'm going to say, last season. Mares? No. Not Mares. So, if okay, if Mares left this season, then he left last season. Part of a really famous trio. Mane. Mane. Mane, indeed. N is an interesting one. He's currently an assistant coach. He played and scored, I'm sure, a lot of goals against Arsenal in his time. 69 goals. Name starts with N. He's not a striker. Nolan. Kevin Nolan? Nolan. Kevin Nolan. That's a good one. And now from V to Z should be relatively easy. Who's V? 144 goals. Vardy. Nope. No. Oh, oh, Mr. Van. Van, Mr. Van. Oh. Nope. I'm going to say you're warm. It's another Van. Van Percy. Van, Van Percy, of course. And who's W, a club record scorer? Well, uh, not anymore, but he was the club record scorer. It was broken by another Premier League legend. W. Very few W top scorers. He's got 100 and... 13 goals. Which club though? Let's just say he's not a Spurs fan. Ian Wright. Ian Wright indeed. Yeah. How about X? 17 goals. 17. 17. 17. Not Abel Xavier. It's interesting you went there before this guy. No, with X. I'm I'm going to venture a guess that he has more yellow cards than goals. Jaka. Granite Jaka. Now let's yes. go for why. This I think you should have learned from us by now that nothing it's is nothing is easy. <laughs> is it Yeboa? It's not Yeboa, but he's part of a famous duo. York. Dwight York. Dwight oh, York yeah. indeed. And the last one with 68 goals is Zed. Zola. Not Zola. Any He's dukes? just left the league. He's been linked with moves for the last 10 years. Sometimes oh, to United. Sometimes to Spurs. Zaha. 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 Yep, Wilfried Zaha. So that's the list. The top scorers for every alphabet for the Premier League. All right, with that, listeners, we come to the end of this week's podcast. I hope you guys had fun. I hope you guys did better with your guesses than the panel that we have today. Uh, we'll be back next week again, looking at looking at the round of games. Um, till then, I hope we see more hat-tricks, more sending-offs, a lot of 5-2s and 4-2s in the league. Until then, though, see you.